0: Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and for the first time in what feels like half a year, almost all three of us are back together. Nobody is on vacation. Nobody has prior obligations tonight. And nobody is pissed off at the results of the previous round of the the playoff series. Although that wouldn't have stopped the episode. Literally, I I will promise it was not because I was so mad about the Braves-Phillies. It was literally we could not get schedules lined up anywhere in between rounds um, I did have a fun time though with Ron before the uh, World Series started, so at least we got one in before the uh, World Series actually happened. So uh, I feel like I haven't seen you guys in ages. So uh, Jason, how you doing, man?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, Heading into the offseason season here, we have some awards starting to trickle in. Uh, we're winding down with our season, boys.
0: It's been a good one, honestly. I thought that at least for the show. At least for the show's aspect. I mean, yeah. Maybe not the end result any of us were either expecting or hoping for, but still great season, nevertheless. Uh Joe, yeah. you just got back from vacation. Welcome back.
2: It's good to be back, man. Good to be back.
0: <laughs> going from what, eighties and sunny to uh freaking cold every morning.
2: <laughs> yep, that's okay though. Yeah. Going from, <laughs> going from
1: drunk to being sober. Oh we have the show, dude. <laughs>
0: I, I will say I will say this, though, um, at least it finally feels like fall, other than the fact that it hasn't rained in three weeks or four weeks, which just feels like April again. Uh, all right. So, uh, Joe, what are you drinking tonight?
2: I am drinking an ice cold Pepsi. <laughs> nice Cubs cl- glass. Um, two reasons, obviously. Number one, I'm trying to stay a little level headed. Uh, more level-headed than I was last week when the news dropped about the new manager. Um, <laughs> and the, obviously, red, white, and blue for the Cubs, and red, white, and blue as a tap to our veterans. So
0: Love it. All right, and Jason, what about you?
1: Uh, tonight I'm going with uh, one of my favorites, and it's something that all of you have uh, currently as well, but some wine Ale. Uh, still one of my favorites. Yeah, about that, ours is long gone, dude.
0: <laughs> but it was delicious, and my my, yeah. my wife was very very thankful for it too. Uh, she was able to enjoy a couple cans for nice. herself. I split the four pack with her. Um, for me tonight, that's I awesome. Went with... Joe, able to try it yet? Yeah, were you able to try it yet?
2: Yeah, Joe, I finished it it yet? It. I, was, I finished it. it was nice. Good. What'd you think? Good. Interesting. Um, you know I. I... You guys know I don't drink a ton of beer, so it was, it was, it was an interesting combination of flavors.
0: Yeah, it's you know it's one of the best of any of these hard insert soda spiked insert soda. It, it I think it does a better job of staying true to the original flavor of the original drink than all of the other ones do. And um, eh, that's eh, maybe not necessarily more than an Arnold Palmer, but. Other than that, it's I, I think it's way better. Than, especially, like, I tried the Spiked Mountain Dew one time. My God, that tasted awful. Um, so, yeah, props to wine Ale for a delicious ale. Now, bring it up here, distribute it up here, so we don't have to rely on Jason going down to Virginia to get it all the time. Just saying.
1: Right. And actually, and then, that uh, North Carolina, it wasn't even available oh, in that- Virginia where we were.
0: That's right. You had to go all the way down and see. I forgot about go another
1: state south, <laughs> but it's Man. worth it. Absolutely worth it. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: No doubt. No doubt. All right. So for me tonight, I went a little south of Pennsylvania for my beer. I went to uh, Duclaw Brewing out of Maryland because uh, um, congratulations, Gunnar Henderson. I decided to go with a Maryland brew tonight from Duclaw, The Sour Me. Oh, yeah. Is a uh, fruit punch sour ale Uh, This will be really good in the middle of the summer It's a little odd to have now because I'm normally in a very heavy stout Mode but I also am one Of those people who say uh, who is On the I do not want my Christmas decorations put up before Thanksgiving so I felt like If I got a holiday ale I am going to hear About it and then all the Christmas stuff will be up Before Thanksgiving so You know I had to do it (laughs) All right, let's roll into it, guys. Uh, So we'll start, obviously, the World Series. Uh, The Rangers took down the Diamondbacks. It was the first title in history for the Rangers. It was a 4-1 series win. Um, Pretty dominant overall for the Rangers. The Diamondbacks had a big game in Game 2, the one game they won 9-1. But otherwise, 6-5, 3-1, 11-7, 5-0. The Rangers, honestly, guys, you know, we were – we were thinking they led the West the whole they led the West basically all year until the last day when it just collapsed and fell to the Astros. And, you know, honestly, from their performance throughout the postseason, they reminded us that they were the division leaders for most of the season. In um, the clincher, you know, Zach Gale and he did everything he could to try and force game six. He had a no hitter. Um, going through six innings, carried into the seventh before Corey Seager, uh, hit a little squibber through the left side to break it up. And Corey Seager did end up winning the MVP award for the world series this year. Um, absolutely the right choice in my opinion, uh, 318, 451, 682 slash line, a double three homers, six RBI, six runs scored, uh, three walks to five strikeouts. Um, Interestingly, Seager, he has also previously won a World Series MVP back in 2020 with the Dodgers. So he joined uh, set a set of Hall of Famers for uh, multiple World Series MVP awards of Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, Reggie Jackson. That is not bad company to be brought up with at all. Um, Texas manager Bruce Bochy, this is his fourth title, 13 years after his first one, when the Giants beat the Rangers back in 2010. And remember, that was back when the Giants were literally winning it every other year, 10, 12, and 14. Um, And I believe, if I remember right, it was actually 13 years to the day of the clinching of that first one. So pretty cool for Bochy. He's the sixth manager to have four titles joining uh, the professor Casey Stengel, Joe McCarthy, Connie Mack, Walter Alston, Joe Torre. And remember, all these guys, Guys, also Hall of Famers. Guys, I think it's pretty safe to say uh, Bochi, his ticket has long been punched, but this should be the uh, final nail in the coffin. He will be in Cooperstown at some point when he retires long enough to be eligible.
1: Oh, yeah, abs- absolutely. He, he was a legend and already going to be in before this series. So that, that just absolutely cements it. Yeah.
0: Um, the Rangers pitching, guys, throughout the entire postseason – Really, really strong. Particularly, uh, Nathan Ivaldi, who got pressed back into the ace duties when Jacob Degrom went down. Um, this was the Ivaldi's line for the postseason. Guys, five and zero, and a two ninety five ERA. That's getting it done. Just a phenomenal performance by Ivaldi. Um, and let's, you know, let's look at Chris Young, the GM of Texas. The turnaround that he worked to build, just absolutely out of this world they lost 102 games in 2021 last year they lost 94 games and then this year he finally felt like he had the talent there that he could push for key deals at the at the deadline and a little bit before because remember the Aroldis Chapman deal happened back in uh, May if I remember right May or June Um, but he also grabbed uh, Jordan Montgomery and those guys were absolutely key down the stretch I mean you know We always like to look at the trade deadline and think winners and losers, um, you know, and then you look back on it later and was like, well, that was actually not a great deal. And that was actually a surprisingly great deal. Um, This looked great at the time and after the fact still continues to look great. Um, They became the first team to win the World Series without committing an error since the 1966 Baltimore Orioles. They are the first team in baseball to ever win 13 postseason games, the first club of any of the four major professional sports to win 11 road games in a single postseason. I mean, the, the road prowess by this Rangers team this year, holy crap, I I don't think that's a record you're ever going to see broken, maybe tied, but never broken. And remember, the ALCS victory over the Astros, the home team did not win a game in that entire
1: series. That was all road wins, which is wild to me. Yeah, that that was absolutely mind-blowing, especially because up until the 2019 World Series with the Nationals and the Astros, we hadn't seen something like that happen. Mm -hmm. And, And in that World Series, the road team won every single game. So the fact that it happened twice in such a close span is incredible yeah unheard of
0: even um so now guys we are down to five franchises left who have not yet crested the mountain to grab a World Series title that would be the Rockies the Brewers which Remember, the city of Milwaukee does have one, but it was the Braves who got it, not the Brewers. The Padres, the Mariners, and the Rays. And remember, with the Rays and the uh, Rockies being expansion teams, that's not as big of a surprise, although Arizona winning it very quickly
1: after becoming an expansion team and one of the greatest World Series I think I've ever watched. Um, Same with the Marlins. Marlins also wanted – they wanted within four years. Right, so – you know,
0: you've got some
1: teams that get it quick, and some
0: teams it's just taking them a little bit longer than others. So, a lot of good in this World Series, but there's also also a little bad to talk about here. This was one of the this was the worst-rated Fall Classic and least watched in the history of the World Series in TV. Um, looking at Nielsen ratings, Game two and three were the least watched on record, with an average of only 8.15 million viewers and 8.13 million in games two and three. Um, the previous least watched game for um, was game three of the 2020 World Series between the Dodgers and Rays, and that was 8.34 million. Um, game one was the least watched World Series opener ever recorded, 9.172 million viewers. Um, last year, game six, when the Astros eliminated the Phillies, that was the fewest viewers all time for a game six. Take that with a grain of salt because there aren't no, you don't always get game six that often, of course but even still that game last year 6.11 rating and 12 and a half million viewers that was more viewers in that one game than any individual game in this world series i mean it's it's what's going to happen when you have two wild card teams that are going to make it and one of those wild card teams being in the 80 win tier i mean it was great to see new teams that you haven't seen in there, but at the same time, it seems like baseball fans don't really like seeing new teams in there. They, they did not show up to watch many games. I did. I didn't watch every single game, but I did watch throughout the series. Um, it was a well-played series. I actually enjoyed what I did watch, but, and I, I know one, th- you know, I, I know one thing Rob Manfred will quickly point out is that, um, this World Series, they were competing with football over at least two of the games. I understand that. I understand that. But let's roll it back to, uh, if we roll it back to the um, 95 World Series, when Atlanta beat Cleveland, that World Series had at least two, maybe three games that overlap with the NFL. And that averaged, a 19.5 rating and 28.97 million viewers. And that was the year after the strike when baseball fans said, we're probably not going to come back. Well, that clearly wasn't true because the fans did come back to watch the world series. They didn't care that the NFL was on. And I know the NFL wasn't the juggernaut then that it is now. I I, I do understand it. it's, it's a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison, <laughs> but you know, the, this is highlighting an ongoing issue with the World Series. This is the this is the crown jewel of the season, and ratings just have not been great the last couple of years. And I know, it, from COVID on, it hasn't been great. That was a five point two average for the co- rating for the COVID year, six and a half when Atlanta won, six point one last year. Those were the averages, and before that, it was in the eights or higher. So, I, baseball has not regained the traction from COVID and they need to figure out why, because as Joe has pointed out many times when we've had these special games, you know, whether it's field of dreams, the little league game, whatever baseball does a great job with those special one-off games. Why can they not do that with the world series? Is it because is it the broadcasting crew people don't like? Is it, was it just because it was a matchup that didn't have a lot of interest nationally? Uh, do you guys have any thoughts for why it might've been so bad this year?
2: I, I mean, I think, you know, you, you mentioned something about wildcard teams. That's not necessarily a big deciding factor, but most of the people on these two teams, the average person doesn't know half, half the players we do. Cause we're junkies, <laughs> but the average fan doesn't know half, half of these players. Um, in this kind of scenario, it's not a huge, it's not a huge market. I mean, the the Texas one is, but you know, um, it's huge in the, in the Southwest, but beyond that, it's hard to get regional interest when it's, when it's like that, Um, which is nobody's fault, I I think, but you you made a point that the NFL is a juggernaut and you're just not going to compete with it. um, Most of the time. And, if you're starting games at eight o'clock on a Sunday night, and I have the choice between you and Eagles Chiefs, for example, I'm probably watching Eagles Chiefs if my team's not in the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> there weren't a ton of star there wasn't a ton of star power here. You talked about the the post-strike year with the Indians and the Braves. You had Kenny Lofton, you had Albert Bell, you had Jim Tomey. And that's just on one side of the On one side of that series. So I I think you can't underestimate the the star power level that doesn't exist in in the major leagues, I think.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and, too. And 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 even like you look at a couple of the stars that even the Rangers have, you know, the pitchers, DeGrom wasn't in there. Shirts are left early. Like, uh, not only was a star power there, but I think the the two teams that were in there absolutely contributed to this because they're not, I I would argue that the Rangers are not a big market team. Um, The team out of Texas is the Houston Astros. Um, And you also have to take a look at the proximity. You're talking Arizona and Texas. You have zero East coast teams. Um, Based off of the region, it's, you're only going to get a lot of people from that specific area because it's not like you have a New York team in it or like Atlanta, Philly, um, like any Boston. Boston. You know, you're, you're not getting those supermarkets, super like areas. Um, so I think that definitely had had an effect, and and honestly, like I was still absolutely salty about it to the point that I. I didn't watch it until um, probably sixth or seventh inning of game six, just because I like, whenever a team is about to win it, I do like seeing how they celebrate it, unless it's a team that I absolutely can't stand. <laughs> a la uh, Braves Astros last year. Like I refuse to watch the um, the Astros win it. Like I didn't watch the final outs. Cause I'm like, you know what? I don't want to watch them celebrate. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't think that this world series was a matchup that people wanted. Um, that said, congrats to the Rangers. I'm glad that, uh, they finally won their title, you know, get off of that zero world series titles list. Um, and, and honestly, um, seeing how they played throughout the post season, not losing a road game. I don't think anybody was going to beat them. Like mm-hmm. just, just watching the end of that, of game six and seeing some of the stats. I was like, even if it was the Phillies over the Diamondbacks, backs, I, I don't know that. I still don't think that the Phillies would have ended up winning that one. Um, no, so it actually, so, so it spared me the uh, heartbreak of two straight world series losses. Um, like, uh, the Rangers experienced in 2010 and 11. Yeah, that
0: that's really fair too, Jason. I to be honest, I don't know that many of the NL teams were going to knock off Houston. Excuse me, knock off Texas when they're not losing on the road. I mean, that's insane. You you don't see that. There's a reason it hadn't been done before yeah. this year. And I
1: mean, that that Seeger game tying home run in the in game one completely changed the course of that series
0: yeah it
1: absolutely changed the the way that that series was going to (laughs) go
0: the man earned that mvp he was without a doubt the most absolutely player on the field hands down you know it's sometimes there is a good debate that can be had for even maybe even the best player in the losing team and maybe another player on the winning this year there was absolutely no debate this year
1: I think if he doesn't get hurt, there's potential for a uh Garcia to be in the conversation. But that's just in the conversation. I, I still don't think he would have won it. I, I think it was absolutely Seager's 100%. Yeah. Um, but if Garcia stays healthy, depending on what he does, he's in the conversation. Sure.
0: All right. So, yeah, that's it for the World Series. That is, the, you know... That hit, and then we rolled in the free agency four days later. But but before we get all the way over to that, um, you know, I I got to I, I got to give some thoughts with Ron a couple weeks ago. Uh, you guys haven't been on since before the playoffs started. So, uh, Jason, I'll let you spout off in a minute. Let what Joe go ahead first on this one um, to let somebody who is purely looking from the outside in. Uh, Joe, what were your thoughts on the? either the world series or the playoffs in general um you know whether it was the formatting the overall matchups how mlb was trying to stagger the schedule around you know what were your thoughts overall for the playoffs
2: i mean i think there's there's a ton to be said for baseball is completely different from most other sports right we obviously know that but bye weeks are a detriment Having an entire week off is is a dumb thing. It just is. You want to have that what that first round in three straight days? Fine. But you have to only have one day off between that and the next series because this is just ridiculous. The, the, the week off is, is not beneficial. I, I don't know if it's get rid of a wild card team again or if it's, you know, some other structure has to happen here because this is just not, it's not beneficial. I mean, the, the the best teams didn't make it to the end. Not that they have to, obviously it doesn't always go that way, but you're starting behind the eight ball when hitters need rhythm and they get a whole week off. That part just of this situation just doesn't make sense to me. Um, that that's That's number one. Number two is that I think, you really saw that pitching really dominated that first round of things. Um, And, and I think that was, that was huge. um, Obviously Um, I think getting some, some new teams from a pure baseball fan perspective was nice to see in the world series itself. Um, I, I, when we had our, our playoff prediction show, I, I said the Diamondbacks would represent the NL. Um, I don't know if that was just dumb luck or what it was, but I thought that was um, the right choice there. I, I thought, you know, Andrew, I really thought that Atlanta was going to have trouble with that, having Max Fried down for that first series. There's too many things that just didn't go right um, for Atlanta, I thought. Um, and, and enough things – Went wrong for Philly after Atlanta. That it, it just, it, it just wasn't there. Um, and just you know, things happen. Um, but I, I think, you know, on, on the AL side, Houston, you know, finally got got taken down, which was nice. I mean, they've been in what seven ALCSs in a row, um, which is ridiculous. But
0: um, one ring, which got tainted by a trash. Well, okay. Two rings now, one, which was tainted by a trash can.
2: The whole point is that you're getting there and they have this continuity there. They've continued that continuity with their manager hire, which I know we'll talk about. Um, You know, they're, they're always going to be there. They just are. Um, You know, I think again, bottom line with the playoffs, I think the week off sucks. I think, um, we got the matchup we some people expected to get maybe from a, from a market standpoint. Um, And I think also um, it's just, I don't know what they need to do as far as the world series, if it needs to be a little bit of an earlier game. So it's not competing with um, with football in some way. Um, You know, I don't know if that's going to help, but yeah, you know, in, in general, I didn't watch a ton of the playoffs. I just kind of kept track of scores and things like that. And, of course, the, the back and forth between you two um, there for a while.
0: Um, what, what back and forth? We, we, we were radio silent
1: in the chat throughout that entire we, series. We, we had we had to be because, it, it like, that's <laughs> why. It was going
0: why... like to be like throwing two copies. Two tomcats in a burlap sack. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, and I, I'm one of those where it's like I was letting, I was gonna let Andrew do what, say whatever he wanted, and I was never going to reply because the moment I do, something changes the momentum, and then it will be thrown back to me. Like <laughs> I had, um, like a guy that I bowl with on Wednesday nights. It was, um, for game three. Um, we. I came into Bowling Alley, and mind you, so this is at right after Game Two, when the Braves came back in, in the eighth inning and ended up winning that game. He came into the bowling center and just started doing the tomahawk chop to me, and dumbass, I didn't say a single right. word. So it's I'm like, so I'm like, I'm just going to just bide my time because. I need to see what happens with this series. And that game went on and you had at a boy Harper uh, with his two home runs. And it. Dominated. Wait and
0: Harper get bean next year. Just and
1: can't. I, I just kind of looked at him, smiled. That was it. And I had to wait until the next week because uh just needed to see the Phil's win first. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to reach. I'm not going to retaliate. Or say something because I know that if the I knew that if the Braves came back to win, I was going to hear it even worse. So, yeah, should we talk about
0: that series? Should we?
2: No, I think we've we've. Uh...
1: Well, I mean, to to be fair, if you're gonna you're gonna get to be fair, you're gonna get to me and my recap. So,
0: so, no, that's why I'm saying. Do you do you want to start your recap and do Braves Phillies, and do you want me to go after you, or do you want to go ahead? What do you want to do?
1: I don't know. Let's well, uh, well, 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 let Joe. Let's well, let Joe finish first. See if I, I don't know if Joe's done with his thoughts on on the playoffs or not. But
2: <laughs> look, I mean the the only thing that we all knew for sure was that Milwaukee was going to lose in the first round, and congratulations, Milwaukee.
0: <laughs> that's the easiest prediction to make every year let's be real
1: yeah, yeah um Not for now um so I'll touch on a couple things that Joe mentioned before I go into like my overall thoughts um because I guess it kind of relays into that um now granted the extra wild card and the um week delay has benefited my team over the last two years. Um, But I don't mind the week, the extra week off. Like I, like if I, as a Phillies fan, like I would love for the Phillies to have off that week, I think, because you need to think about how much strain is on those players' bodies over the course of 162 games. It's not the other team's fault if you're not fully prepared for the series. Um, so I, I, I'm even thinking, say, let's take so let's take the Braves-Braves Philly series. You know, the Braves had that layoff. They still got to train. They still did simulated games. Now, I I know that they are not the exact same thing. I get that absolutely. I get that. Um, but you look at that. The Braves took one out two at home. They had one day off between Game Two and Game Three, and they got smacked in the mouth, ten to where, two. Where, where ah, ah, no, no, no. Wait, 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 no. wait, wait, wait. wait. Let on, me finish Jess, my there
0: thought. Was, there was too much off days in that series. Game One, day off. Game Two, day off for travel. Game... that was insane. And I know they did it to. St- I know they did it to stagger the. A- the NLDS and the ALDS so there's baseball on mm-hmm. TV every day, but that was
1: nuts. And but, like, but see that, that, that also that also kind of adds adds to my point though. Um
0: no I know so I'm if... just I, I just I'm just saying I we're we're gonna talk about all these days off and I feel like we had our teams had more days off in October than they did in several months throughout this mm-hmm. past season.
1: Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not good. Yeah, and I think it's isn't it kind of alternating each year now? Like last year, the uh, American League teams had the day off in between those those couple games. Um, I I need I would need to look at the schedule, but I thought it kind of swapped
0: schedule last year. We had a weird broken up schedule last year too. I thought Uh,
1: I'm pretty pretty sure we were. I think that the games one and two were back to back days. Um, it's, it's just the timing of them was terrible because they were all afternoon That's games. That's right,
0: because we got, we got all the 1 o'clock games through.
1: Right. Um, but but my, my thing here is, so, okay, so you have all that time off. Game 1, I can understand, you know, being rusty, things like that. You're getting back into the flow of regular gameplay. Um, but then you have that one day off, and you come out in Game 2, and you... Come back in the eighth inning, you take a lead, you hold on to win that game, you have all of the momentum. One day off, it like if you're saying that 10 days off and then you're not ready for that, but game three was only one game difference, and the Braves still got their asses absolutely handed to them in that game. So to, I so, have to a me, lot
0: like of issues with game three, but it wasn't it, Brian Snicker got badly outmanaged in that series with how he handled the pitching staff, right? And, and how so, he handled so one that's
1: one which, which um, that to and, me means that's not the layoff that's causing these issues, it's the managers not managing their teams properly.
0: Well. The layoff affected our hitters. The problem is Snicker let the Braves be dug in too deep of a hole because he didn't pull, he didn't have a quick hook for Elder. Like the moment the Phillies started to peg Elder, he should have been gone. Mm-hmm. He, this isn't the right like. In twenty in twenty twenty one, Snicker did a great job with quick hooks, pulling pitchers out, not trying to, you know, because it's the playoffs. You can't. It's not like the regular season where you let them try and figure it out for the inning and maybe let them go on because it's a long season. It's the you don't have that time in the playoffs, and he did that throughout the NLDS, the Phillies. I it drove me nuts, and Ron can attest to this because, because. He and I were both questioning what the hell was going on on both sides, actually, with some of the pitching decisions. Um, but yeah,
1: anyway, go ahead. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I don't think that the layoff is what hurt the Braves in that series. I think it was managerial decisions. Um, and honestly, I, I think that overall the Phillies pitching staff was better. You, you I mean, you give them game two, um, where the bullpen fell apart, but for the most part, the Phillies' pitching staff outpitched the the Braves' pitching staff. Um, I think looking at that series, I know whenever whenever you and I talk about a playoff series before they before they actually play it, we've done this the last two years. Um, I know I've I've ended both times chatting with you saying, "May the team that plays best win, not may the best team win," because. Best team means shit. <laughs> it, it's 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 may the be- so I play may the team I I, I say may the team that plays best win, and for the second straight year the Phillies played better than the Braves, uh, in that series.
0: Um, well, it, you know, one thing I pointed out with Ron, too, I don't remember if I said if we said this on the show last uh, two weeks ago or if um, I or if we were talking about it in our private chat, the playoffs exemplify hot and cold streaks to an extreme that you don't see any other time of the year. Like if we replayed the Braves and Phillies series a hundred times, it's probably going to be close to a 50, 50 split, maybe like a 55, sure. 45, probably, probably skewed towards Atlanta just because of the depth of the team. But realistically it's going to be damn close to a 50, 50 split. And those hot and cold streaks, the hot and cold streaks, you never saw it exemplified as much as Braves-Phillies and then in the next series, Phillies-Diamondbacks. When everything that went right for you against Atlanta flipped around and went completely wrong against Arizona. It's – yeah, that's you – know, and that's just one thing that – that's the playoffs. You love it and you hate it.
1: Yeah, First and I think – uh, and and f- so I'll kind of – this kind of works for both series here. Um, And then like the last thing I'll touch on will be the wild card series, because that was the one that I actually was at the one at game one. And I didn't get a chance to really talk about that one, but so the NLCS uh, the problem there. um, One, your hitter, the hitters went rigid uh, at the worst possible time. You know, your top four players, top four uh, or five batters, you know, sitting like three for twenty or something like that, something ridiculous. You know, that's never gonna get it done. Um you oh, have man. I saw and, and and you have your your big a big difference here was transitioning from two fairly hitter friendly parks to a hitter friendly park and a uh pitcher friendly park. Mm-hmm. The 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 Phillies in their home games did what they should have done you know except for game 6 and 7 um which that was just unbelievably bad but anyway um when the the momentum shifted when they went out to Arizona up to nothing first of all they became the favorites for the World Series title which I I saw that and I was in me like well there goes that because uh this team likes to be seen as an underdog. Um, They like the idea of upsetting people. Like look at last year, uh, 2022, they loved being the last team in and just, you know what? Let's just run the table. You know, let's do what we can. Um, And this year, I think there were more expectations, especially once they made it to the NLCS, that they would be the ones representing the NL again. And I know I said, I said this in our in our chat before that series that the Diamondbacks scared me because they reminded me of the 2022 Phillies. Last team in, already upset two teams. They're playing with house money. They have nothing to lose, and you could see it in the play. They were loose. They were just having more fun, whereas the Phillies, especially once they once the series got tied up at two, they started stressing they started pushing and pressing more and then it, it worked in game three like they got to Mer- um was it Zach Allen yeah they got to Zach Gallen both times um no who was it was it Ke- it was gallon or, or Kelly,
2: um, no, it, was Kelly, Kelly. Was it?
1: it was Merrill Kelly okay so, so so they like they rocked Merrill Kelly each time um but then they just could not figure out a rookie you know they and when they lost game six i was definitely afraid about game seven because all the pressure was on them and they had to play stressed baseball whereas the dimebacks like cool we made it to seven we took a game in philly which is something that no team has done yet this postseason why the hell not let's win a second the, diamond,
0: um, the Diamondbacks were retired John Daly out on the golf course, chucking Miller Lite and smoking two packs of cigarettes.
1: Yeah. Like, um. so it, it's or one of those, I was absolutely disappointed as I know, you know, um, but honestly, the reason that I was most upset was because I had world series tickets like if I didn't if I didn't have the tickets, I wouldn't have been nearly as pissed off as I was, um, because the just flat out dominated those second half of that series. Um, you know, you co- you go come back home three games to two, knowing you have to win one out of two at home. I would have taken those odds every time, but you know, it just didn't didn't work out. But honestly, like it was still a great run for the Phils. I think there's the issues to me. The big thing was Rob Thompson continuing to go back to Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, that
0: made no sense to me. I was, I was watching game, that NLCS and I could not understand why he kept going back to Kimbrell.
1: Like g- game three, is not the one that annoys me because you know it's a tie game. You know it's very possible that a closer is going to give up a run here or there. You know, like I, 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 I don't, I don't want to say I don't mind it, but like that one does not bother me as much as game uh, four does because game four after that night before you know he's struggling. You see that he struggled throughout the postseason. There was no reason to bring him in when he was brought in uh the 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 moment he was brought in i i said this game's tied at least
0: like even Um, go back to the atlanta series he got the job done but every ball atlanta hit they hit hard it was hard yeah it just went to a it just went right to an outfielder so it didn't look bad on the stat sheet but atlanta had no problem seeing any of kimbrough's pitching and teeing up on him
1: Yeah. So, so Craig Kimbrell will forever be on my shit list now, but, uh, and he will forever be dead to me.
0: I've got to ask the Joe question here. Is Kimbrell worse than your buddy David Robertson?
1: (laughs) No. No, because he at least got some saves and played, and played the season. Uh, (laughs) David Robertson just stole money without playing. So, um, and, and, well, actually, it's possible that Robertson went up on my list since the Phillies teed off of him in the wild card round. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, but no, like and, and the other thing here with between the Braves series and the and the Diamondback series in the NLCS, players need to learn. You do not say a single thing. About the other team to give them fire. It happened. It happened in Atlanta-, in Atlanta with Arcia and Attaboy Harper, and it happened again with uh, Garrett Stubbs saying that they know where the pool is in at uh, Chase. Is it still Chase? Is it Chase Field or is it something different? People's Bank I, Field or whatever.
0: I can't remember what it is. Uh,
1: whatever. I'm still so good. I still want to call it the Bob. Like bank one ballpark but um you know like you don't say anything to give the other team fire and James, and James. i know you're gonna come back to RC being like yes, it was in the locker room I I you, brought and...
0: you brought it up so yes i am gonna respond to it I,
1: I was gonna i was gonna say but and i know and i know you're going to respond um as you should but the thing is There's reporters in the locker room. You can't expect to say something and think, oh, no, this is off the record. No. Like, if you're saying something in the locker room with reporters there, don't be surprised when it gets out. No,
0: like, because the locker room is not – if the players are not actually being interviewed, that is where they are supposed to be allowed to say whatever the hell they want. It was an emotional come-from-behind victory. Arceo is allowed to say what he – and let, let me put this specifically with Arcia. Garcia being a Spanish primary speaking person when he is interviewing, he will never conduct an interview. He will never give a quote unless he has an interpreter present with him. And this reporter from Philadelphia just pulls that out of the air. It, it pisses me off to no end. Kevin Gossman quote, it's supposed to be a sanctuary for players. What happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse
2: no, it's,
0: it's not supposed to be a free for all for reporters to just go and grab random quotes being yelled out ac- across a locker room as a team is celebrating a victory. It's not. And they know that there's supposed to be a thing such as journalistic integrity, which apparently some Philadelphia reporters don't have, although it doesn't shock me.
1: <laughs> I'm going to let Joe answer that one.
2: I I don't know where to start, man. I'm just watching the fire out of your <laughs> out of your ears here, both of you. <laughs> like, look, I, I mean, you, you could you could put it on people and say, "Well, don't put this bulletin board material out there." All, all Garrett Stubbs has to do is back it up, and this is not a story for Philadelphia. First off, second off, same thing with RC. All RC has to do is back it up, and it ain't a fucking story.
1: Exactly. <laughs> like like and, and, and that and that's what drove me nuts about the Garrett Stubbs one was because you know he didn't back it up and he didn't say, he didn't come out and say, Yeah, I said it. I believe we're gonna win. You know, all, all RCA had to do was own it, and, and I'm thinking all the way back to uh Alec Bohm with the I F and hate this place. He came out, he owned it, and things moved on. Um he turned back on this and, and honestly, like what are your thoughts on uh the Donald and, and his comments? That was locker room talk. Should that ha- not have made it out into the public? Like whatever you say in the locker room, if there are reporters present, you have to expect that they will be putting something out there. Like it's, Yes, it's a sanctuary, but if, if you want it to be your, your sanctuary where you can say anything and everything without repercussion, then you need to kick the reporters out.
0: Uh, for one, I'm surprised they were let in that early. That that did surprise me. Um, for two, though, uh, you say RC should have backed it up. Here's part of the problem, or should have owned up to it. Here's part of the problem. Atlanta under Snicker has become basically the model of a professional organization outside of a couple players that like to shoot their mouths off. I'm thinking Jock Peterson in particular with We Are Those Motherfuckers. Um, Outside of that, Atlanta doesn't really have guys that will get down and dirty like that. They don't, and that probably was to their detriment in that series that you didn't have a guy that would be willing to get up in Harper's face and jaw with him. Yeah, and, and I mean and who knows, but would have made Harper more pissed off, very likely. Would have made Harper cool off faster against the Diamondbacks, also a possibility.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so I mean, like all that to say, at a boy, Harper. Um, so uh moving on, kind of moving backwards. So the wild card game that I was at, first off, that was just an absolutely incredible experience. Uh, it was my first time seeing a playoff game in person in Philly. The atmosphere lived up to the hype. And then some, uh, I was saying that I was up and down more than I am. When I go to church, like <laughs> anytime, uh, there were two strikes on a batter, you're up and you're waving your rally towel. Uh, anytime, uh, something good offensively happens. You're up and you're waving your rally towel. Even like, say it's like three and two and a batter keeps fouling off pitches. You're up and you're waving your rally towel. Like, it was so cool. Um, and it was nice seeing the Phillies actually beat the Marlins. Um, I was very happy to see them beat the Marlins two games to none in that series. And um I was able to take my mom to a Karen had Karen had a work thing, so she wasn't able to go. So I took my mom who is a big Phillies fan. She, she had never been to a game before either. And she and my dad took me to so many games as a kid that it was cool to kind of take her to a play to her first playoff game. Um, got a pic. We got a picture after the game with the scoreboard and it was just neat seeing everything, seeing the player introductions, all the fireworks around the stadium and it's tough to think about now, knowing what the future was going to hold. Um, it was Reese Hoskins' last appearance in Philadelphia. Uh, he threw out the first pitch that night. Um, and they played his intro music. They played his intro graphic on the screen and everything. And the crowd just went insane for him. So it was really cool. Did he um, play a strike? I don't know. There were so many rally towns going on, going around that it was hard to see. Um, But no, it was, it was just a really cool experience. Um, And reflecting on my first season as a pass holder, as a season ticket holder, it was such a fun season. Um, Absolutely incredible. Um, Can't wait for next year.
0: Yeah, you now the you know just for people who don't know, um, because you purchased World Series tickets and they didn't make it, did they roll that into your um,
1: season tickets next year? Yeah, so so oh. basically what the, what they did was um, they did give me the option of either getting a refund to my original payment method, or if I just did nothing, they would roll it into my season plan what I owe for next year. Because I uh, the nice thing most teams I pretty sure all teams do this, but they give you a, a payment plan option. It's like 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, et cetera. Um, and so because I had those tickets and they didn't play the game, I chose the option of just rolling them into what I owe remaining on the plan. So I think after the, I think it comes out on like the 15th of this month. So after Wednesday, I'm pretty sure my tickets are already paid for for next year. Um so yeah, it, it all works out in the end. I would have much rather gotten to use those tickets. Oh, absolutely. But but it does work. It does all work out in the end.
0: That's good to know. Uh, just you know, for anybody listening, it so uh, it's it sounds like if that's a pretty well industry-wide standard. Um, yeah. You know, if you were ever thinking, you know, I want to be a season tickets holder, but I'm not sure. You know, is it worth if I or if I am a season ticket holder, is it worth? buying for the next round before you know they're going to be there it sounds like if if yeah. your team does anything like what the phillies did with jason it's absolutely worth it if you've got the money and you don't need the uh, refund money right back roll it yeah. right in. that's a great uh, that's a great option
1: yeah and the cool thing about the the season ticket plan and that's the that's actually the main reason one of the main reasons i wanted to do the season ticket plan um one it was been a bucket list of Minded see to to have season tickets to the phillies oh. um but two season ticket holders get first option to the every single playoff series um what they do is they give you one game per series and they tell you which home game it's going to be um so at one time you you can get all four series excuse me um And then whichever tickets don't get used, uh, that's what goes in with your refund. So, like, say the Phillies lost to the Marlins. I would have had all the other series refunded. So it's definitely worth it. You don't lose out on money. Um, Absolutely not. Um, And you get the tickets for reasonable prices. Um, Mm -hmm. You get get them for... they're maybe just a, like a little higher than normal, like maybe like 20, 20, $30. But, um, considering the resale sites, I
0: I was about to say ticket. Ma- I was looking at Ticketmaster just out of curiosity. And I was like, D- this is nuts.
1: I did. I, mean, I did end up selling my, uh, NLDS, uh, tickets, which were the, uh, it was the clinching. It ended up being the clinching game against the Braves. Um, and the resale prices were absolutely insane. Like, I I ended up making just about all of my playoff money back.
0: Dang. Yeah. You know, I, I was looking the other night um at, you know, I was looking at uh, when, what day the World Series or the World Series, the Super Bowl is being played because I wasn't sure what day in February it was. And tickets right now, the cheapest tickets you can get without knowing any teams that will be in the playoffs are seventy six hundred dollars mm-hmm. already. So, yeah. yeah, the after the aftermarket is insane. Go with the season ticket option. Sounds like that is the better plan. Yep,
1: get yourself in there.
0: Um, Just my quick hits, Uh, I completely agree with Joe. There's too many off days. Um, Baseball is a momentum game. And actually, to be honest, guys, we saw this with a lot of teams even coming out of the All-Star break, and that's only a four-day break that would come out and be flat for a couple days before their hitters could get back in rhythm again. And and that affects the hitters way more than the pitchers. The pitchers, pitchers love the rest. Pitchers are never upset to have extra rest. Hitters, they want to hit every damn day. So, uh, you know, why is there an off day after the regular season? Why is there an off day after the wild card round? Compress that. Just get rid of both off days. Um it, it, you, You're you going to know most of the time, you're going to know that where you're going to be going. So you send your guys up ahead. You know, we, we've seen teams do that before, especially the big series, even in the regular season. Um, I know not this year, but last year before Atlanta played the Mets in the clinching series that took the took the division title away from the Mets. We sent two pitcher, two of our starters that weren't going to be used in the previous series. We sent them ahead to either Atlanta or New York. I don't remember which series it was so that they would be there, well rested and ready to go when the rest of the team rolled in. It's not that hard to do. It's it's just not and they need to they, they need to figure out how it's okay to not have baseball on every single night throughout October it, it really is to not have these weird off days which again i you know i i don't want to compl- i don't want to blame the off days for the Braves losing i i, I want to more b- blame the fact that i i do think Snit got outmanaged a lot but at the same time the off days didn't help those those sim games are not the same Sim games and inner squad games are never going to match what you're going to face in the next series. It's, it's not like the NFL when you run your practice squad out against the first team and you have guys that are designated to act like certain players on the other team. Like when you use a running back to imitate a nasty dual threat quarterback, so you can train a linebacker, how to spy on a guy that's going to zip and dodge this way and that way. Yeah. You're not, you know, they need to figure that out.
1: And once the suggest- thing is, oh, go The thing is, um, you need to remember that the Phillies didn't get to set up their rotation. Your number one starter, your ace, Spencer Strider, lost not once, but twice to number three starter Ranger Suarez.
0: Strider's technically two,
1: dude.
0: He's technically, we went 2
1: 1, but it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> uh, he's your ace he's absolutely your ace
0: i i no, i would argue max freed because of the success max freed has had in the world series and beyond um personally but anyway um and keep in mind freed was getting over a blister i mean this is the second year in a row freed has been dealing with an injury towards the end of the year that that definitely affected him in the playoffs um and you know not having morton in the nlds did not help either but whatever yeah. um but yeah, the, MLB needs to figure out something with the schedule. I saw, I, I don't remember which pundit said it, but uh, why not have the division winners play in the wild card round and start the round up one nothing? It's not a bad solution. The, the expanded wild card definitely made the end of the regular season more interesting because there were compelling races all the way down to the last day. I, I won't deny that. But... They, they need to figure something out with this first round, and I don't want to add another team. I, I really don't want to add another team, but if it means adding another wildcard team to make sure everybody is playing right away, then
1: just, just do it. I, the main thing I would like to see is reseeding. That's the, that's the main thing that I would like to see, it would be some kind of a reseed.
0: Yeah, because Bra- let's be real. Braves Philly should have been the NLCS. That shouldn't have been a DS matchup. That should have been the NLCS. Um, And that would also, that would be a good way to reward the top seeds so that they still have the matchup against the lowest remaining seed, which is how it should, that's how it should always be. I don't care if I, the NBA did it first and the NBA did it so successfully. The NFL, when they, when they lasted their collective bargaining was like, This is a great idea. It was one of the few things the owners and players agreed on quickly. I think it was actually probably the only point that the owners and players agreed on quickly was let's reseed because it works. It makes the playoffs better. It gives the higher seeds the best matchup, which is what they should have. They have earned that by by merit of being the high seed. You know, And I'm not saying that the Braves would have beaten the, Do- the Diamondbacks. I'm not saying the Phillies would have beaten the Dodgers and it would have been Braves-Phillies. But of the matchups we had, that's the one that should have been the NLCS. It, it, it just should have been. And I think of a seven-game series, you see a different series because it is a completely different strategy when you're playing seven than it is when you're playing five. The way you have to manage the pitchers is completely different. And again, I don't know if it would have changed the outcome. Nobody does. And if you, play, if you play the series 100 times, you're going to get probably, again, pretty close to that 50-50 split because they are two very well-matched teams. But anyway, uh, have we beaten the playoffs uh, to death pretty significantly yet, or should we run it for <laughs> a little while longer? I think we're good. All right. <laughs> my wife's telling me to move on over here in the peanut gallery. So I guess we can do that. All right. So, uh, we, I can't we'll... wait
1: for what she gets to talk about the chop, honestly. Let's
0: yeah. Go! I if, if, <laughs> if tonight wasn't going to run as long as it is. I was going to let her do it tonight. Uh, we'll, 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 we will sneak it in. We'll, we'll do an episode after Thanksgiving and sneak in at the end of November. Oh yeah.
1: After Thanksgiving. Cause that's appropriate. All right,
0: all right, let's. All right, you. let's do an episode <laughs> next week. I'm fine with it. <laughs> no, I'm it sure, I'm like sure it. she's already got her speech ready for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I thought you agreed to like a three-minute board meeting length speech. I use sources for those too, buddy. <laughs> oh, it's gonna uh, be anyway. Gonna be what's fun next? next? What's week. next? Next up, we got the managerial hires. we Joe. Take it away, dude. You've been silent for a while, eating popcorn, watching this, uh, watching the fireworks between Jason and I. It's time for the Cubbies to celebrate.
2: Hey, look, guys. Look, I mean, I, I thought I was having a great week already last week, being away from Cold Pennsylvania, but um, obviously this news dropped. I, I guess it was a Monday. I guess now, um, a week ago, and that was just. I'm like, wait, what? The, the Cubs did what? Um, you know, obviously, the, the council news is the big news right now. We'll see how some of these other manager jobs shake out. But if if you, you know, our, our listeners will remember when the season ended, I said either council will go to the Mets or because that's where Stern was or the Cubs need to make a move if he's available um, to Milwaukee fans. Don't be pissed at you. At the Cubs, be pissed at your ownership for not locking him up before his contract expired. Not my problem. Get over it. Um, <laughs> look, a couple of comments on count from on from Council's side of it and Rossi's side of it. Um, it when Council was talking to the Milwaukee media after the decision was made, um, he said, "Look, I I was going through this process. It became clear I needed and wanted a new professional challenge." Um, he said he's grateful for, for everything he's done in Milwaukee. Um, but you know, he just wanted to do something new and he had a ton of, you know, thoughts on the future of the Cubs, which we've talked about a ton. Um, obviously that there's a lot to be excited about. Um, and he just wanted to do something different, um, and, and experience a new challenge. Um, Rossi for his part um, was interviewed a few days ago and said there was uh, took really took the thankfulness approach, which is what you expect from David Ross as much as um, obviously we like, I like to give him a ton of grief. Um, Stand up, dude, stand up baseball, dude. Um, He said there was a lot of people who worked really hard alongside me. I'm really thankful for the four years I got coming from zero coaching experience to gain the chance to manage such a great organization that has impacted my life in a great way. There's great people here. I really don't have a whole lot negative to say, to be honest. I get mad from time to time, but I have a lot to be thankful for. Again, did I expect anything less from David Ross? No. Again, great baseball human. So I'm I'm not, um, I don't begrudge him. I, I wish him the best of luck. Obviously I have my differences of opinion with David Ross on many occasions, but Um, You know, I'm
0: I'm
2: grateful for his contributions to the club um, and obviously to the World Series team. um, And I wish him nothing but the best in his next endeavor, whatever, wherever that might be. Um, He's turned down a couple of he turned down a bench coach opportunity, says he's not really interested in that. Um, I think sounds like the Yankees offered that to him. Um, And I think he's got. He's got some family concerns, so he's trying to stay somewhat either local to Chicago or somewhat where it's, you know, he, he's earned a shot at a manager role somewhere else, I think. But the other thing you could look at with that is, okay, it's the Yankees. If Aaron Boone does what he Aaron Boone does, you're, you're kind of a lock for that job next year. So, I mean, there, there's a lot that could happen. Him and again, I wish him nothing but the best as he moves forward. Um, Craig Council was an, introduced today, um, and you know he says, you know it. It just it, he, he's excited for the future. He says it's it's time to be a cub. Um, expect an obvious shirt with that on it very soon. I would imagine um, tomorrow. You know, it, <laughs> if not tonight. Um, you know, he said it feels close. You know, it's a great place to be. You know, he's a bit uncomfortable, obviously, with all the stuff that, that's been happening the last few weeks. But he's excited for the, the future there. He, he believes in the vision that Jed Hoyer sold him on um, for what the Cubs can do. Um, the contract on this was crazy. Uh, five years, $40 million. Um, highest paid manager in all of baseball. Um, and, you know, I don't know what to think about that. If it impacts how much you spend this offseason season on free agency, then we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. But I mean, to, to make the big move, to make the necessary move, um, you know, I can't help but be excited, man. Just can't help but be excited. But um, like I said, at the start of the show with, with what are you drinking? Like, I'm excited about this, but what are you going to do in free agency?
0: Yeah, because the manager can only do so much. You still have to, he has to pick the right nine guys, but he still has to have the right nine guys to pick to send out on the field. Uh, looking at the Obvious Shirts website right now, of the new shirts, the only one that really mentions it right now is Take That Milwaukee, which I actually kind of love that one because that basically follows up my uh, views on Milwaukee for many, 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 many years. Um, also, uh, Joe, wh- what do you think it's going to be like for Craig Council to finally ha- finally coach a home game in Milwaukee after all these years? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I mean, it, look, it'll be exciting uh, for him, I think. Uh, again, I, I'm really excited for what he can do. I, I wonder – how the coaching staff's gonna shake out. We'll probably find some of that out here in the next couple of days here. Um I kind of hope that um Tommy Honavi, the pitching coach, has kept on because he's been excellent. Um the, the pitching infrastructure in Chicago is is absolutely phenomenal. So if that goes by the wayside with along with all the Ross moves, then that's gonna be a bit concerning for me. Um yeah and you have someone who should have been your one of the Cy young finalists it's a good start you know you have you have the gold glove middle infield you have a gold glove left fielder there's so much to be excited about you're not really sure what they're going to do with with belly um you know and and stroman is, is walking so Look, there's a, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to be nervous about. Bring it on.
1: <laughs> I I do like Joe. That now I'll at least understand what you mean when you say F Ross. That it's going to be about an actual player and not F David Ross <laughs> because you're because you're mad about something he did. So um... I
2: mean, it, I mean, if he's if he's the manager of the Brewers, it could be.
0: <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something to see managers literally swap divisional teams without it being a trade made by the teams? That would be something. I don't see that, but it would be wild. Um, Also, to the uh, hooligans in David Ross's hometown that decided to go down to David Ross Field and write – Craig Council. Craig Council. Thank you. Council, Council. not Ross. Yeah, to to go down to Craig Council Field and write asshole on the sign because he left Milwaukee for Chicago – stop it stop it even even if he wins a world series with the cubs he will still be best known for his time as a player and as a manager in milwaukee so just stop he he will always be a milwaukee guy through and through there is nothing wrong with him taking an opportunity in chicago
1: and, and again more. like ownership should have made more of a more of an attempt to sign him
0: If you wanted him Um, back, why did you let him interview with the Mets?
1: Yeah, the the thing that is kind of interesting for for me is the price of the deal. Um, That is going to be a game changer for managers moving forward. Can you imagine? This is is for a guy who, uh, I don't want to say did nothing with the Brewers, but did not take them to the promised land or anything. Can you imagine what that's going to mean for, uh, the likes of, you know, like, uh, say Bruce Bochy looks for another deal, you know, a, a world series winning manager, that price is going to skyrocket. How about a,
0: and Bruce Bochi? that's a four time world series winning manager.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean even like take, take even like say snicker, um, Say he falls off the wayside and the Braves decide to make a change. Um, you have a uh, multiple division winning, World Series winning manager. You can't expect to pay them the same as Craig Council, who did not do much except for maybe a division title or two. Like,
0: I, I was actually going to say that, but I'm worried about Snit's next extension. Because that next extension's yeah. price, You'd even looking at to that, go way and it should go way up. Because if this is what we're going to give to a manager who has not won a World Series title, how about a guy who's won six straight t- divisions plus a World Series? Yeah, it's it's gonna definitely throw the uh, manager market all over the place. Um, now that said, does that mean the Yankees can finally go to Aaron Boone and say, hey, you're getting a pay cut because you're not because if Craig Council gets forty million for nothing, what what are we paying you for? I'm sorry, that's not nice Yankees fans, but it was funny. So I'm gonna live with it.
2: But part of that is on Aaron Boone and part of that is on Brian Cashman. I mean it, the fact that the Yankees haven't developed but two homegrown talents in the last ten years is just garbage.
0: Yeah, straight up
2: it's just garbage.
0: All right. Other managerial hires, the Astros are going to bring on Joe Espada to replace Dusty Baker. Um, Espada has been the Astros bench coach since 2018, a year after they won their tainted world series over the Dodgers. Um, He has previous coaching experience with both the Yankees and the Marlins. He played nine years in the minors and the independent leagues. Um, And from what reports I have read, he is well-liked by the players in the clubhouse and um, although Dusty doesn't get tossed nearly as much as he used to, notably in his days with Chicago. Um, he does get tossed enough that Espada has had some spot managerial experience. So I, this is probably going to be a pretty seamless transition for the Astros. They're not a team that's going to have a ton of turnover, you know, similar to Atlanta. Their core guys are locked up. It's just going to be some peripheral guys that they're going to maybe swap out over the offseason. So I th- this is probably, for the next maybe two, maybe three years, this is probably going to be basically status quo, and then after that we're going to really see um, what Espada can do once his core with Houston really starts to age out or leave in free agency. With the Guardians, this this, this one I think was the most surprising of the managerial hires so far, Stephen Vogt. cat um, caught for many, many, many years in the majors, um, You know, he's been uh, he, he's literally been one gone from one of the best catchers in the league to one of the worst catchers in the league over the course of his career. Um, he's going to succeed T- Terry Francona, who um, in just a few short years became the winningest manager in club history. Um, it's gonna be his first coaching job at any level. Let's remember, he just retired at the end of the twenty twenty two season with his kids announcing his last at bat when he was with Oakland, which, by the way, if you never heard that clip, go pull it up on youtube. it, it It's absolutely beautiful listening to his his kids announce, you know, announce it. So um you know, guys, w- what do you think of the Steven vote hire? that That's by far, I think of all the hires that have been made, that that one intrigues me the most. Uh, Joe, what what do you think about, I'm going to ask you first because this is, again, a catcher just coming off of retirement, being put into a management role. Uh, The parallels are there to Ross. What do you think?
2: I mean, I don't, it's too early to say anything about that. I mean, I I think um, it it certainly helps him that there's a lot of talent and depth there. I I think that's a big help for a, a young manager. I think, um, you know, I think the fact that, um, you know, F- Francona had a well oiled machine there and it's probably going to be, I'm sure he'll be there in some advisory role until he gets settled, um, you know, or be willing to help sort of mentor him a little bit. And the other thing you have to consider is that the AL Central is a shit ass division. So well, why not?
0: Yeah, I mean, you they could have probably brought in me, and I could have probably figured out a way to get close to a division title. Um, Jason, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, I think it's just it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, i It's definitely an in, intriguing hire. I don't know that he's the one that I would have gone with, but – I like to assume that the front office of the Guardians knows what they're doing and knows what they're looking for. So, best of luck. <laughs> and then the
0: Angels uh, and the hiring that I was expecting but was really hoping wasn't going to happen. Uh, they stole Atlanta's third base coach, Ron Washington. It's going to be his first managerial job since 2014 when he resigned from his job with the Rangers. Um, career record of 664 and 611 with two World Series losses. Again, he's been Atlanta's third base coach for the last seven seasons. Uh, guys, Wash, everybody loves Wash. It, it, not just Atlanta guys. Anywhere he has ever been as a coach or manager, his players love him. Um, you know, not only is he hilarious, like he, he'll just, you know, he'll just walk up to a player, drop something funny, and he'll leave him, he'll leave him in, with side stitches for a week, laughing at what he said. But he uses great old school techniques with his defensive drills like Atlanta had some of the best defense I ever I've ever seen them play in the infield under wash because he is such a good teacher on how to be a good defender um he's going to be greatly missed for that um he's uh, Joe is you can definitely attest Dansby Swanson is not would not be the defender he is today without the work of Ron Washington um, he'll become the oldest manager in baseball at 71 years old, passing Brian Snitker and maybe Bochi, I think it was also at the same age as Snit. Um, going to get a two year contract out of this. He'll be the second current black manager joining Dave Roberts out in Los Angeles, fifth manager in seven years for the angels who haven't won a playoff game since 2009. Th- that said, I think he's taking the hardest job on of all of these manager roles other than maybe the Mets, but I think his job is a little bit harder because um, you know, let's, let, let's look at some of the ownership rule ownership calls that Art Morenzo has made. He declined Phil Nevin's co- contract option in October, despite it, not even not, not only being Nevin's first managing job, but his first full season as manager. Cause remember he was only interim at the end of the previous season. Um, Mor- you know, they made questionable decisions to the deadline. They kept Otani they bought heavily they they stripped their farm system bare and a deal like like I said earlier when we were talking about the rangers at the time what the angels did looked great and then every possible wheel on the wagon fell off to a, a very disappointing end of the year and now they don't have any farm depth to pull from anymore so uh, you know wash has never shied away from a challenge he he that that's been his career as a player as a manager this might be one of the most challenging opportunities any manager will ever walk into you've got one of the best players to have played the game in mike trout they might get lucky and resign Otani who knows Otani could go any number of places at this point but they've had Otani and trout together for five seasons now i, I I'm not sure how many. And they've gotten nothing out of it.
1: Mike Trout has never played in a playoff game. <laughs> that's insane. And, and he's been in the in the league since 2012.
0: Ugh, that's – they never got a wild card
2: bid even? No, that's a crime. But it's also <laughs> Trout's fault for staying there.
1: Uh, yeah. I'll I say he's he the one that signed him. that big deal. Yeah, he um, took the money. I actually think that neither Otani nor Trout will be on that roster for come opening day. I think Trout's going to be traded in this off season.
0: Is he able to be traded? I thought he had a no trade clause.
1: I would think that if he wants to win somewhere, he'll accept a trade to a contender.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. It'd be stupid. He's going to be
1: coming home
0: he does have a full no trade clause in the current deal
1: yeah but i'm just saying i'm just saying as long as they look at training him to a contender um
0: here's going to be the problem he has seven years and 250 million left on that deal it if the angels aren't willing to be like the mets and eat a significant chunk of that money I don't care how good he is. You're not going to find a lot of teams that are going to be willing to take on yeah. that contract, especially with his injury history over the last couple of years.
2: Yeah.
0: But yeah, that's, that's just wild. Uh, Ron said trout well, played 2014, 2014. Okay. It, they must've been a wild. Okay. So they, yeah. they had a wild card bid, but still, yeah, that that's just wild that they've had the best player in baseball since, uh, Okay, so so, so 2012, and he
1: gets to play in one playoff series. Like, That's just wild.
0: All right, and then the Mets also making a, a – a, how should we put this? An interesting hire. Let, let, let's remember, the Mets aren't really that old of a team, and Carlos Mendoza is going to be their 25th manager in their history. They're not that old. That's wild. Three-year contract with a club option for a fourth year. Let's see if he actually makes it past – two years, I'll be surprised because the Mets lately have been doing much like the Angels have and have been cycling managers pretty rapidly. Um, Mendoza was most recently the Yankees bench coach for the past four years. Um, previous managerial experience in the minors with both the Yankees and the Giants. So he does have some experience, at least as a manager. Um, he is going to be the second full-time Venezuelan-born manager in Major League Baseball history. The first, of course, was the great Ozzie Guillen and the uh, many exciting times he had with the Chicago White Sox while he was the manager out there. Um, and one fun note, I I personally said in the topic sheet, guys, he's already had dozens of opportunities managing a major league club because Aaron Boone gets himself tossed out of games so often. He's probably had at least a couple games worth of experience, so he's not going to be a complete novice at the MLB level as a manager. Um, does this... Guys, this feels like the Mets are actually pretty serious when they said around the trade deadline, you know, we're really looking at 2025 as the next time where we can reasonably expect to be competing for the NLEs to end or playoff and potentially be on playoff aspirations. This hire really kind of feels like that to me. Uh, Are you guys getting that same vibe? Absolutely. Especially not getting counsel.
2: Honestly, there's a lot to. It feels like there's there's just too much unknown here. I don't know if, you know, we don't know exactly what we're gonna get there in in New York. I think, um, I think Council was a long shot because Council's got Midwest roots and he wanted to stay closer to home. So I mean that the fact that he didn't get picked up by the Mets has nothing to do with, you know. Whether the Mets wanted him or not, it's he'd rather stay closer to home, and I don't blame him. Um, But you know, I think you know Boone seems to think that he's he's he certainly is earning the opportunity. If I'm if I'm him, I'm glad to be gone from Aaron Boone. (laughs) Um, So, look, I mean, I I don't. It's probably a little too soon to judge it. We'll kind of see what shakes out here. Obviously. The New York market wanted a huge hire, but, um I mean, the Phillies have done a lot with Rob Thompson, who was not a big name until he became the guy. So I, I, let's, I'd, I'd say let's see what they do, the Mets do in the offseason before we judge anything.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point.
2: See what they do with Alonzo and all that.
0: All right, guys, so we're down to the last two openings that are left, San Diego and Milwaukee, because Milwaukee just lost their manager in Chicago. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll uh, mention that as those guys get hired. Um, I'm not going to speculate on who's going to get hired because uh, it's uh, really there's too many candidates. It's too deep of a poll to try and make guesses at this point. All right, so let's move it on to the, some of the awards. Um, obviously, awards are going to be given out the – throughout this week, um, culminates, what, Thursday night with MVP, if I remember right? Um, I think that sounds somewhere right. Somewhere
2: around there, either Wednesday or Thursday.
0: Okay. So we have Silver Sluggers for the American League. You've got Yandi Diaz at first from Tampa, Mark, Marcus Simeon from Texas at second, Rafael Devers from Boston at third, Corey Seeger from Texas at short, Catcher was Adley Rutchman from Baltimore outfield. Because remember, Silver Slugger, they just take three outfielders instead of positions. Kyle Tucker from the Astros, Julio Rodriguez from Seattle, Luis Robert Jr. from the White Sox. DH went to Shohei Ohtani from Anaheim. Utility went to Gunnar Henderson from Baltimore. And for the first time, we had the team award given out, and that went to the Rangers. The Rangers, um, they led the AL in run scored, hits, homers, RBIs, batting average, slugging, OPS. So that was really I, I don't think there wasn't really a close second place choice for the American League uh, team Silver Slugger. I think that's pretty cool that they're doing a team Silver Slugger. That's uh, very interesting that we see that now. Um, I kind of like it.
1: Figure figure you lose the uh, the pitching aspect of it, so it yep. kind of fills in that gap. Yeah,
0: because the utility was never intended to replace the pitcher. It was intended to reward the guys that can literally be thrown anywhere in the lineup and play at least adequately or better. So, yeah, I, that's a good point, Jason. I like that. Um, guys, any arguments to the AL? I think they pretty much nailed the AL up and down. Um, I, I just want to say the fact that J-Rod – after a really horrendous start to the season, turned it on so much in the second half and damn near carried Seattle back to the playoffs on his back to earn a silver slugger. It, it, it says a lot about the guy to go from extremes like that.
1: He seems like he he must just be a slow starter because he started slow last year and wound up dominating for rookie of the year. So um he may just be a slow starter, which, I mean, you figure – you only have your spring training games. You're coming back from the off season, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah,
0: Joe. Any arguments from you for AL? I thought AL was actually no, almost this, perfect.
2: This, this list was was spot on. There there wasn't anything to really be disappointed with here.
0: In the NL, um, first base, Matt Olson of the Braves. Second base, Luis Arias of the Marlins. Um, by the way, guys, Arias—it's two years in a row. Andy did it in two separate leagues, so I don't think that's happened very often. Maybe, maybe even ever. So, congratulations, especially Arias for that. Third base, Austin Riley of the Braves. Shortstop, Francisco Lindor of the Mets. That one surprised me a little. I'm not going to lie. Um, Catcher William Contreras of the Brewers, um, awesome to see that. I, I'm never not going to love William. Outfield Acuna of the Braves, Mookie of the Dodgers, and Juan Soto of the Padres, D.H. Bryce Harper of the Phillies, utility Cody Bellinger of the Cubs, and the team uh, went to the Braves. They went, led the NL runs, hits, homers, RBIs, batting, slug, OPS, um, you know, franchise record and home runs and all that. Again, I, I don't really think, in the team just like the AL, I don't think there really was a legitimate threat for a second team there this year. Um guys, I NL by and large, not too many arguments. Uh DH, I I don't really think of Harper as the DH for the Phillies. I did look it up later, Jason. I know he did play more games at DH than Schwarber, so it's probably why
1: his eligibility was there. Um well I mean look at it as um you can if you want to play that game. Like Cody Bellinger was primarily in the outfield, wasn't he, Joe? He, no, he,
2: he was back and different. forth between center and, and first. Okay. After yeah. after, no, after, be- um, after things at at first base fell apart and Mike Talkman rose to the occasion, they he played between the two places.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, Belly was a pretty legit utility pick. Um, if it wasn't gotcha. gonna be Belly, I was thought it was gonna be Tommy Fam, honestly.
2: Yeah, um, I mean and
1: Harper only started playing first base in like July or August. So. Yeah, I
0: thought he started sooner than that too. But anyway, um
1: yeah, I, I I had his stats pulled up just in case you you decided to argue it.
0: I, I would argue Ozuna. I'm not going to get into it. I think we've had enough Braves-Phillies arguments for tonight. I think Ozuna also makes a very compelling case. It's you. You compare the stat lines between the two. It's pretty close to half splits. From you know, I sent you the screenshot of comparing Ozuna and Harper as well as our two NL um, All-Star picks, Forsythe. Young and Soler also made a decent case, although I don't think his case was as strong as Ozuna's. Um, yeah, again, I, it's, I I don't feel, I, I just don't feel like Harper was DH, but looking at the number of games played, I guess he was their primary DH for more of the season. Um, but that said that was, yeah. Anyway, 16 teams were represented in the silver sluggers this year. I don't know if that's a high, but it's gotta be pretty close to that. The only multiple winners were from Atlanta, Baltimore, and Texas. So very, very spread out this year, which I think was good to see. Uh, moving on to the Golden Gloves, uh, AL, you've got first base Nathaniel Lowe of Texas, Andres Jimenez of Cleveland at second. That one didn't surprise me in the slightest. Matt Chapman at third from Toronto. Anthony Volpe from New York at shortstop. Also became the first um, rookie shortstop to win in uh, very it, at least 30 years. It's been a very long time since you saw a shortstop rookie win that. Catcher Jonah Heim from Texas. Again, no surprise to anybody, especially if you watch the world series, Jonah Heim is incredible. Pitcher was Jose Barrios of Toronto. Um, the outfielders, which should just be the three best outfielders because outfielders move around too much, but we don't do that for the golden gloves. Left field, Steve Kwan of Cleveland center fielder, Kevin Kiermeyer of Toronto, right fielder, Adoles Garcia of Texas utility went to Mauricio Dubon of Houston. Um, I didn't really have too many arguments of the AL. Granted, I don't watch the AL nearly as much. Um, I was—I got to say, guys, the biggest argument I would have had is if they put any catcher in there besides Jonah Heim because
1: holy crap, he's incredible. Um, and then who was the uh, platinum glove winner for the American League? Platinum glove
0: for the American League this year is Andres Jimenez. Again, I, Jimenez is the best second baseman in the game with a glove. No, no question in my mind. So I was not shocked to see that. Looking at the NL, first base Christian Walker of the Diamondbacks, second base Nico Horner of the Cubs, third base Cabrian Hayes of the Pirates, shortstop Dan Spies, Swanson of the Cubs. By the way, this is the first time you have had the double play combination win a Golden Glove together since 2018 with the Angels when it was Andrelton Simmons and Ian Kinsler. Fun fact.
1: Those are some names. Yeah, right. I miss, I, I miss him. Man. Oh, he was with Atlanta. He was so smooth. At That's State. a throwback. Yeah. Here,
0: here's December, man. Uh, catcher went to Gabriel Moreno of Arizona. Pitcher went to Zach Wheeler of Philadelphia. Left fielder, Ian Happ of the Cubbies. Center fielder, Brenton Doyle of the Rockies. Right fielder, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the freaking Padres. Utility Haysong Kim of the Padres. Platinum Glove went to Fernando Tatis. Okay. I'm all right. I'm sorry. Why was Tatis? No, I'm. You're, you're going to ignore Castellanos from Philadelphia who didn't commit an error. The only player in the outfield of any league that was qualified who didn't commit an error. You're going to ignore Ronald Acuna of the Braves who threw out runners with regularity out of right field with a cannon for an arm for Fernando freaking Tatis?
1: Uh, and I would also I would like to point out that Castellanos is the only player in MLB, not I I believe not just the outfield, but period that did not have an error the entire season.
0: Well, that's because Schwarber made like six times the number of errors in left
1: field to make up for it. We're not talking about Schwarber; he's not on this list. Yeah. <laughs> the the,
0: the um, day Kyle Schwarber is made for Gold gloves, the day baseball has officially collapsed in on itself, and and, and yeah. is about to die. Because good God, that was
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, they're, they're, but, I'll let I'll let you two give your give your thoughts on it. But there's there's two things here that are not sitting the best with me. Um, And I'll get to those in a moment.
0: I'm just going to say Castellanos got robbed. Um, The fact that neither Castellanos nor Acuna were even finalists, if I remember right, which makes. uh, So this goes back to what me and Ron were saying in that episode we did before the World Series when we had the finalist list. The fact that Mookie is listed in the outfield and is listed as utility. You got to make up your mind with these guys. You can't be eligible for both. If you're eligible for utility, you're utility. Otherwise, you're outfield. Because I I feel like Mookie being out there took either Castellanos or Acuna off the finalist list. And neither of them should have been off that finalist list, frankly. Um, But Jason, I I, I think this is a rare time when you and I are both going to
1: agree that we got screwed. Yeah. I I don't know that I would have said Castellanos should have won it, but he should have been a finalist. Yeah,
0: he should have been a finalist. Both of them should have been. Um, the the guy from Washington, I can't remember his name. Was it Thompson or Thomas or whatever? Lane Thompson, maybe?
2: Thomas, the fact Lane that, Thomas.
0: Lane Thomas. The fact that he was one of the finalists over both the Cunha and Castellanos, just wow.
2: Yeah.
0: Joe, uh, yeah. go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, there's not too much to disagree with here. I, I do um, – Think that Nico's case was made a little stronger based on the fact that Dansby was there. Um, not that you want, not that they do it on purpose that way, but I think Nico's numbers um, were were maybe boosted, or his 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 vote vote totals were boosted by the fact that he's playing with the best shortstop in the National League. Um, I, you know, I, the fact that, like you said, the fact that. Castellanos and and Acuna weren't even finalists for this. is just garbage to me. The fact that MLB would let Tatis be eligible for this is just stupid. Uh, I, I'm sorry. It, it's and the dude
1: was given the platinum glove. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I, yeah. The, the fact that he was even eligible for this award when he didn't play most of the, like a half of the season is just pathetic to me. And if you're going to be a stain on the game, if you're going to be a stain on the team that you play for and you're going to be a, in general pain in the ass, you don't get to be eligible for this crap. This is pathetic. You, you want, you want to grow the game. You want to improve the image of the sport. This doesn't do that. It doesn't, um, you know, and, and again, agree with you, Andrew, you're either one or the other. You're either a second baseman or right fielder or a utility. Like let's let's just settle that crap. You're you're only eligible in one of the categories because Mookie being there, like you said, it it totally jobs Castellanos, who didn't have a an error the entire year. It's ridiculous.
0: Well, I'm, I'm sorry, a guy that doesn't have an error for an entire year. I I know outfielders don't get as many opportunities to make errors. I understand that. But the fact that he was the only eligible player to not have an error, whether it was outfield or all eligible fielders, it doesn't matter. The guy didn't commit an error. What the like, hell? Like, That's how How is that not worthy of a Golden Glove? And I yeah. know they're looking at – the problem I have with Golden Glove too is it's either we're going to look at all the advanced stats and ignore the basic stats, or we're going to look at all the basic stats and ignore the advanced stats – Nobody has figured out a good way to take a good look at both. And I think that's why Castellanos got screwed, because I think the reason Tatis got it for right field was because he has a cannon for an arm, which we knew that, because he used to be a really good shortstop too. You know, i I, they're looking at the advance. They're looking at his arm strength. They're looking at the pop time. They're looking at how quick he gets the ball out of his glove, but they're not looking at the whole picture. And the, they need to pick. Are you going to look at basic? Are you going to look at advanced? Or in my opinion, look at all of it. And they're not doing that. And I've thought that for the last couple of years. I, the fact that Murphy didn't even make it as a finalist in the NL at as, as catcher shocked me. Because I, I can tell you there's a difference in the how defensive games are played when Murphy is behind the dish versus Darno, because his pop time is better. His arm is stronger. He is more accurate. He is one of the best defensive catchers in the, that's why Atlanta went and got him in the off season. And like even JT who had a down year by his standards, which is still better than most catchers are ever going to have because he's that good of a defensive catcher. I don't think, did JT even make it as a finalist this year? He did. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It would, okay. I, I forget weird. who the third one was. Cause I know it was Moreno JT. I forget who the third one was. Um, still
0: it, that, that drives me nuts. One, I was actually happy. I was happy to see Brenton Doyle get it. Um, Michael Harris and Brenton Doyle are going to be fighting for the center fielder Golden Glove for probably the next until they retire. Because the two of them are virtually identical. Speed guys, great eyes, great gloves, great arms. So that's going to be an exciting battle to watch out in center field. Because, again, Golden Glove just takes by position instead of the best outfielders, which they should, because outfielders switch so much. I feel like I had this argument last year too. Anyway. So, yeah. All right. Are we going to run on Tatis anymore? Or are you guys pretty good with the Golden Gloves?
1: I there were I have two things that uh, kind of bothered me with this list. Um, the first one is uh, since we were already on the Tatis train, uh, him gained the Platinum Glove, I believe that was voted on by fans. Um, oh, that's I be- it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also trash. Um, But uh, to me, the Platinum Glove should have gone to Cabrian Hayes or even Dansby. Um, And my other problem with this list, sorry, Joe, Nico Horner should not have gotten Gold Glove over Bryson Stott. Um,
2: I I can can see the point.
1: And and for this argument, I decided to just kind of do some digging and get some stats for you. Um, because uh oh where'd to go come back here. <laughs> okay, so um let's take a look here. So hurt uh Nico and Bryson both played 149 games. Bryson Stott committed three errors. Nico committed nine. Bryson had a fielding percentage of 992. Nico had a fielding percentage of 987. Uh, Bryson Stott was worth 17 outs above replacement when the league average is only 13. And Nico had was at the average, 13 outs above average. Um, Bryson prevented 13 runs on the season while Nico only prevented 10 runs. Um, to me, the stats are there that Honestly, Bryson got absolutely robbed of the Golden Glove this year.
2: I, I could certainly see that. I don't. I don't disagree with the number. Um, yeah. I, I, like I said before, I started talking. I think. I think playing alongside Dansby probably. Yeah. Boosted his profile a little bit. I honestly, my my biggest yeah. issue with with the whole Nico thing is that. The fact that he wasn't the finalist last year was just pathetic.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, but, but yeah, like with but, with with the different with the stats this year, like comparing the two players, that gold glove should have been Bryson Stotts.
0: You know, and good good, like,
1: good for Nico, but Stott was definitely robbed of it. I think.
0: You know, and something else to consider too: the Golden Glove has completely changed for the middle infielders because of the shift rules. Because before this year, when you had guys that were shifting over and doing all sorts of crazy things, I know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at Ozzie for an instance because Ozzie was known for playing 20 to 40 feet out into the outfield because Ozzie's short man, that, that, that dude's tiny. When he was stuck on the edge of the, when he's stuck on the edge of the dirt, there were a lot of line drives that he could not get this year that in years past, he would snag, you know, we're all, in addition to we don't know what set of stats we're going to look at. We also need to acknowledge the fact that baseball wanted to, one of the things they wanted to change with these shift rules was we wanted to see the more athletic defenders. Are we really seeing more athletic defenders or are we taking away opportunities from others? Because Ozzy's not the only guy who got affected by this. I just know it because I see him all the time and he's one of the shortest second basemen in the league. You know, I, I said it in the preseason if you're going to get rid of the shift, let the, let the infielders go into the outfield if they want to take that chance, because it is a chance because if it's not a line drive shot and you're playing 10 feet into the grass, you're probably not gonna be able to charge in in time to be able to make the throw. So it's still, you're still going to have give and take. So it's, you know, it's just interesting to me looking from a guy who didn't have a guy in the race here that this the battle for this award is so different this year than it was last year that that's one rule change that we were expecting an impact, but I think it made more of an impact than a lot of people realize just at a quick glance. All right, let's move it on, guys. Rookie of the Year was announced earlier tonight. Um, we had unanimous choices to absolutely nobody's surprise, nor the surprise of the odds makers in Vegas who had this set it. What like plus three thousand or higher for the last it movie. was it was
1: like seven thousand or, or oh, so higher yeah. like I yeah. think the Ota- Otani for uh, MVP was like ten thousand or something like that But so they they were like ridiculous. So
0: A.L. Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles, 255-325-489, slash line 28 homers, 82 RBIs, 100 run scores, 10 stolen bases, a 6.2 war that is using the baseball reference method. And I went to Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks, 285-362-506. 25 home runs, 76 RBIs, 116 runs scored, 10 triples, which led, uh, I believe, all of baseball, actually, not just the NL. I think that led all of baseball. 54 stolen bases, a 5.4 war, again, using the baseball reference method. Guys, this is only the fifth time that both leagues' winners were unanimous choices. The last time that happened was 2017, when it was Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger. Um, And, you know, one thing to remember, both the Orioles and the Diamondbacks are going to get an extra first round pick in the 2024 draft as part of the prospect promotion incentive, because they were both ranked among the top 100 and started the season in the majors. So, uh, you know, win-wins all the way around. Again, no surprises whatsoever for either of those awards. These second place guys were so far behind choking on dust. It wasn't even funny and not even worth mentioning. All right. One more thing I'm going to quick mention before we wrap it up for tonight. Um, Oakland's mayor is not giving up on the keeping the athletics in Oakland. Uh, Mayor Shane Towson, a letter to 15 owners in baseball outlining why they should reject the A's owner. John Fisher's attempts to move the team to Las Vegas after 55 years in Oakland. Um, That meeting is going to take place this week in Arlington. The relocation vote is expected to be held during this current session approval of three quarters of the 30 owners is required to allow relocation. We haven't had a team relocate since 2004 when the Expos moved to Washington and renamed themselves the Nationals. So it has been quite a while. Um, The letter basically is going to reiterate a lot of the points that Tau has been making since April. I'm not going to go through all those. We've beaten them to death in the show many, many times. Um, That's one thing I do want to point out, though. Um, Oakland has apparently procured $428 million in public funding for off-site infrastructure, and that's in addition to the approximately $500 million in on-site infrastructure that the city and county would contribute. So not only is Oakland getting actually less money from Las Vegas to move than they would have gotten from Oakland, you know, it, it's... Guys, he sent this letter to um, a mix of large and medium market teams, including Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers for large. Um, smaller include the Tigers, Rockies, Mariners. You know, I I would love to see this work and force the Athletics to stay in Oakland. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think it's a great last ditch effort, but I I I think we're I think we're ball game over for that. Yeah. So, hey, if it works, great. And maybe it'll help some team in the future. Whether it works or not, we're not going to know. But, yeah, I don't see it happening. All right, guys. uh, Anything else you guys want to toss out before we uh, wrap it up for
1: tonight? Nope. Mm, Nope, I don't think so. All right.
0: Uh, to our fans that stayed with us the whole way through or to those listening on recording that make it the entire way through, I know it was a long one. Um, thanks for sticking with us. Um, again, sorry we were not able to get anything in between any of the rounds. We actually tried. We we did. Um, between Jason's incredibly hectic schedule that has been a thing for this year and uh, you know, just me and Joe and Ron also all having personal stuff pop up at random times. Uh sorry we couldn't do anything in between the rounds. It really wasn't deliberate, it just that's how it happened to fall this year.
1: The rounds were in were in weird positions too. Like we they were games on Monday nights, like uh if it was between uh chatting with chatting with you boys and watching the Phillies play, sorry, I'm gonna take the Phillies. <laughs>
0: oh I, in the playoffs, yeah. Uh, nobody can ever blame anybody for doing that.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, like we, we were getting playoff games on Monday nights. So I, I know we would all much rather watch the games than than chat about it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And hey, maybe next year all three teams will be in. So we really won't want to be chatting. We'll wanna be watching and maybe talking trash in the group chat. You know, you never know. All right, guys, audio recordings are available on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, uh, and pretty much anywhere you can find the podcast. See us live on YouTube, Facebook Live, as well as Twitter. Merchandise is at redbubble.com. Um, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash dollar dogs and beer. Twitter's at DDAB underscore podcast. All three of us are still on there. I'm at Pyro Lord 304. Jason's at Jay Ricker 300. Joe's at Jolt and Joe 35. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast LLC and sponsored by the phenomenal Whiskey and Blade Barbershop in Lidditz. Yes, Johnny is finally going to get my horrible mane of a hair and beard cut next Monday. It's long overdue. Can't wait to talk to you, Johnny. Um, guys, may your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold.